0: This is an ABC podcast. hoo I don't know where that came from.
1: <laughs> you weirdo. And Love cool.
0: it. You weirdo.
1: Love it. Hoo-ha! Oh, all right. Uh, okay. Bang.
0: Bang. 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 Bang on. Hello, Miff. Hello, Zan. Good to see you. Good to see you too. One night out from the actor's. The
1: actors. What does the actors stand for? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it used to be the AFIs and it's the Australian, um, I don't actually know. Um, That sounds terrible, doesn't it? Cinema, television. Television, creatives. It's all of that. People on the telly and on the film in Australian industries. That's right. That's right. And they were all there last night, including a, a Hemsworth and who got honoured. I'm not sure which one it is, though, because I can't tell them apart, to Chris. be honest. It was a Chris, wasn't it? Was, it? was it Chris? I don't know. Doesn't matter. They're apart. handsome. Um, <laughs> and he won for playing various iterations, various, um, various versions of Thor. Um, <laughs> and uh, what else happened? Russell Crowe was there. They did some great banter, actually, about how um, Chris Hemsworth worked on his character for Thor, utilising Russell Crowe's Voice techniques. Oh yeah. So basically, when he when and then when Russell Crowe was in one of the Thaws, um, playing Zeus, I think. Yeah. Um, Chris Hemsworth acknowledged that he was basically just doing Russell Crowe's b- voice back at him, so <laughs> it's pretty cute, actually. Perfect!
0: What a full circle moment
1: for them. It, it really was, and you know, Phillip Island represent. We all know that the Hemsworths come from Phillip Island, which That's is right. Um, you know, with the main main drag, you say going down the guts of cows because it's called cows, uh, and it's a fabulous town. And I like the fact that they've done so well coming out of Phillip Island. And if anyone has been to Phillip Island, it's, you know that it's probably quite hard to do well. Out Unless of Phillip you're Island. a penguin, penguins Unless and hens penguin. do well out of Phillip Island, and a motorbike rider because there's a racetrack <laughs> there as well. So yeah, it was um it was a gorgeous night, absolutely gorgeous night. You can I'm a little husky voiced. I can't I can't go out and do loud situations anymore and not get a husky voice because once I start yelling, I lose it. And it was very loud at the end. Um, clearly, I am getting old, but it was it was just beautiful, like. The Heartbreak High crew are living their best lives right now. Like the television series has gone global, one of the most watched TV shows on Netflix this year. And watching them walk into the room, I remembered that feeling of just being on top of the world, like back when Specs and Specs started and everyone kind of was really excited by what you were doing and what you were making. They were experiencing that. At that very moment, and there is nothing like it. It's it's watching the joy that they bring to their craft and their art, but also the joy that they're getting as young adults, kind of breaking through in a very difficult industry, was phenomenal. And they were the noisiest and drunkest, probably. I'm not. Oh my god! To I wanted
0: to be on their table.
1: Their table was the best. They're just screaming, <laughs> yeah! and I'm like, yes, do more screaming, because you know they are just they should enjoy this moment. And I think too often. It's something I've learned. I think too often when we're in this industry, you're never sure of exactly how to behave and, and you spend a lot of time trying to fit in, which detracts from actually enjoying the moment that you're in. And I feel like the younger generation have got a handle on that now and they don't care as much about whether or not they fit in. They they really they seem to embrace moments a lot better than us, even though they've been derided for so long for being distracted by their phones. They, they don't care about so much about what others think. They're just living their best lives, and I, I loved seeing that in full force last night.
0: I feel like they're stoics, which is a forward announce of for what I'm going to talk about yes. later on in Bang On, but that's a very stoic sort of frame of mind. They don't care what other people think. They're just mm. living their own world and, and, and enjoying the, the world that they've created. It looked like fun. You looked hot, can I just say? Oh, thanks, babe. That amazing dress. Well, that and you were a... matching Costa
1: too. I know. Costa and I <laughs> were uh, representing the floral community. Um <laughs>
0: Floriade in Canberra, is exactly. that what you were
1: repping? <laughs> exactly. I had disco flowers, so it was all sequin. but it was actually a Eurovision off-cut. Um, I didn't wear it for one of the Eurovision – Broadcasts, and I thought I didn't have time to get anything organised because I've been working so hard, as everyone does, at the end of the year to get everything done. So I just went into the into the back catalogue, you could say, and pulled out that little number, and of course it was fabulous. It so had good st- statements, leaves, it had sparkles, and it had flowers. And Costa was totally enamoured by it, and he said, like, when I come around to to interview you at your house you have to wear that. So um, I was so super excited because he just said, when I come round to your house to interview. Oh,
0: that's an (laughs) opening for a backyard blitz, I say. Get Costa and the team into playing out the backyard. I would love
1: that because I'm drowning. Maybe they can put
0: in a new septic as well while they're there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Drowning in (laughs) house stuff. Oh, my God. Well, the plants grow really well near the septic, so that could be a good spot. (laughs) Funny that. Yes.
0: Well, we're seeing a lot of amazing fashion this season in White Lotus and don't worry if you're suddenly going, no, 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 spoilers. It's okay. I know that some people are taking a while or maybe waiting till the season is over so they can binge it all at once. There's no spoilers coming up. We did have the penultimate episode go to air this week, the season finale. Remember, it's seven episodes. That confused us last year. Um, That's So the season finale is coming next week. But Miff, did you see this amazing article that one of our favourite comedic writers and people on Twitter, uh, Beck Shaw, wrote about basically who she would fuck in White Lotus.
1: (laughs) Well, the headline was a little different in the newspaper, which said (laughs) the White Lotus characters ranked who would I invite into my hotel room. Yeah, we know Um, what it means. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And because that's the thing, there's a lot of action. Obviously, the White Lotus is a hotel chain. This time it's located in the beautiful part of Italy called Sicily. And um, I, I pretty much would invite anyone into my hotel room if I was staying there. It wouldn't matter because you'd be on top of the world. Um, But she has ranked them and I have to admit I agree with all of her (laughs) decisions. I do not disagree with any of them. She's put, of course, the character of Harper who's played by the brilliant Aubrey Plaza on top of the list and uh, absolutely 100% agree with this one. Her character is just one of the most difficult characters I've seen on screen and I absolutely love her. She's broken and brilliant and mean and... Oh, so many great levels with her. Yeah, Beck says,
0: a confrontational, sarcastic brunette in incredible (laughs) outfits who loves to get drunk and make a scene. There was never any doubt she would end up first on my list.
1: (laughs) Yes, it was foreseen. It was written centuries ago, she says.
0: (laughs) I love the thing that she wrote about Tanya, who's obviously so many people's favourite character. This is Jennifer Coolidge, who's the only carryover from season one, who seems to live her life at White Lotus Resorts, and I'm
1: here for it. Well, she is me. She is me. (laughs) That's how I see myself in the future. This is a great
0: thing to reach for.
1: Oh, I know. I I don't actually aspire to anything, but I aspire to her character.
0: (laughs) She writes, Tanya is dramatic, demanding, loud, damaged, glamorous and annoying. She shares her trauma and feelings with everyone immediately. This This is is queer queer culture. culture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you say you're Tanya. And in a recent episode, Tanya told Portia, who is her PA, personal assistant, that she reminded her a lot of herself when she was younger. But according to Beck, and I feel this is something that I related to as well, Portia kind of, you know, reminds a lot of us of our our stupid selves when we were younger, you know, just making poor decisions, (laughs) wearing bucket hats that are too tight for their head and squeeze their brains so they can't actually make, you know, good cognitive decisions about their life. Um, Portia is is a hot mess in an annoying way, but something that almost like holding up a mirror. We all see, right? We all understand. Exactly.
1: You know, she's totally me in my early twenties, and having no idea what I'm doing and and taking the wrong jobs, doing all the wrong things. But you know, you know it'll work out well for her. So she's she's a definite, well deserved to be on this list.
0: It's a really good piece. It made me chuckle a lot. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. And yeah, the finale for White Lotus, once again, one of the best TV shows of the year, is coming up uh this coming monday night in australia i cannot wait
1: hey can i can i just discuss something that i'm struggling with with this series mm. and it's look it's not important but can we talk about dominique christopher Montesalti, who plays the the father not the not the grandfather but the father yeah. i i need to talk about his hair <laughs> What's wrong um, with his hair? Oh man, the work and the level of art in that hair is extraordinary. Like I cannot get past the blow dry. Like every time I look at him, I go, "Man, that's a lot of work in there." That's he's a-. on the
0: prowl though. He's constantly on the prowl. No, that's how he's living I know, his life.
1: But even when he wakes up, he's like, he's used way too much <laughs> of the old, of Granny's L net. You know that that spray? Like it's so hairsprayed. I still it's love phenomenal. that stuff. <laughs> and I've had it, and I've had, or Taft or whatever. I've had, I've had a partner whose commitment to Taft was uh, just next level, unsurpassed. And I, I see the similarities in the hair of the character of Dominic. And I'm not sure if he does this in real life or not, but like that is so much sculpting and art every day and I'm here for it. I say, good on you, you have created. It's It's like the statue of David <laughs> on his head. Perfect Italian reference. Yes. Yes. And um, I lo- I'm all here for it. What else are they um, going to do? They're rich. They've got time on their hands. Time on their hands for, to to blow dry and, and sculpt. I love it.
0: <laughs> Anything else you got issue with in White Lotus this season?
1: No, not okay, at all. Just I, the hair. I've left it. I'm going on holidays in a couple of days. So I will be, I'm, I'm saving the episodes and I can't wait.
0: You're literally going to be in a resort watching a show about a resort. This could not be more perfect. That is true. And you'll be thinking
1: about all the white lotus characters that are surrounding you as well. And I'll be thinking, why is my hotel not as good as theirs? (laughs) And that'll be because I'm not a gazillionaire.
0: A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Macquarie uh, Dictionary Word of the Year. This is something that we love every single year. That was Bachelor's Handbag, which has become part of the zeitgeist, of course, something that you've been using for years and years and many bang fam have as well, the hot chicken bag. Um, This is a very Australian dictionary focus, and so there are a lot of words that were more pertaining to Australian culture, but the Oxford English Dictionary have just released their word or phrase of the year as well, and it's another bang-on classic,
1: myth. That's right, goblin mode. We are, you know, those with the fingers on our pulses or whatever that term (laughs) is. Um, We talked about goblin mode when it came out, and it's a a mode that I think we can all relate to, and it was brought on specifically during the pandemic. Uh, A lot of our standards dropped, and it refers to, Uh, a type of behaviour which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. And it has become the first word of the year to have been decided by public vote Mm. in the UK and it's the new Oxford word of the year. I
0: love it. Do you know how many people voted for this in this? Because I didn't realise it wasn't normally publicly voted. Just take a guess. How many people do you think took time out of their day to vote for the Oxford word of the year?
1: Well, in Australia it would probably be about 200 um, if we had to vote, <laughs> so I'll, I'll triple that because there's more people, 600, 800, whatever.
0: 340,000 English what? speakers around the world what? passed their vote and here it gets better. The second choice was metaverse. Then the, f- the third choice was hashtag I stand with, but goblin mode won by a landslide selected by 318,956 people, making up 93% of the vote. So we were living goblin mode while this curated world of social media told us otherwise. The reality was anyone who took part in this poll, the almost 350,000 people who took part, English speakers around the world, were going full goblin mode in 2022. And that makes me really happy. I love that we've just pissed off all these things that we're hung up on. It's sad that we don't go goblin mode publicly, that it's something that yeah. we maybe do in our private life. But that that freedom of goblin mode, I say 2023 is the year of goblin mode, myth. Is that gee of me to carry goblin mode in oh my God, did to you another just drop <laughs> choogy?
1: into the sentence with goblin mode and then next you'll say, look, <laughs> grab your bachelor's handbag and we're out of here. Into the metaverse. <laughs> oh, the metaverse. Oh, I'm sad that didn't get in. Not at all. LAUGHTER um- because apparently, too, on the Metaverse, they haven't invented how to, how to have legs. So you can only have a torso at this point. So there's a reason why no one's in the Metaverse. It's
0: just floating torsos and heads it's around.
1: terrible. It's
0: very um, terrible. What are those things that are half man, half horse? What are they called? Cyclops? No, yeah. that's the thing with the eye. Centaur. Centaur. Everyone in the Metaverse is a centaur, except they don't have the horse legs. They've just got the tops. <laughs> no wonder people, it doesn't make sense to people. Nah. Oh, it's amazing. We love it. It's very silly. Uh, the president of Oxford Languages,
1: oh, Casper Grothwall. Amazing. Casper would be like just quite upset with this, I imagine. With a name not, like that, he'd be upset. There's no, with no level mode. of sophistication with with Goblin Mode. That's like this is not what we intended. But he did say we, I mean he's 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 backed up what we sort of said, which is given the
0: year that we've experienced, Goblin Mode resonates with all of us who are feeling a little overwhelmed at this point. It's a relief to acknowledge that we're not always the idealised curated selves that we're encouraged to present on our Instagram and TikTok feeds. This has been demonstrated by the dramatic rise of platforms like Be Real, where users share images of their unedited selves, often capturing self-indulgent moments in goblin mode. You use Be Real. Do you go goblin mode on Be Real? Can you control it?
1: Yeah, well, I've got three friends on B-Real, so I've gone full <laughs> goblin mode on that one. I've only got three because I'm too old for new apps, so there's not many people I know on it and, <laughs> and I'm fine and I know them quite well, so I'm happy to put myself in goblin mode on that one. Desperately want to now join B-Real just so I can see exactly what's <laughs> happening
0: in your world. You know, there. but they keep
1: it keeps coming through at like early in the morning or late at night and I'm like, fuck that.
0: I'm not taking a photo in bed. It's time for sleep. Just go away. Yeah. Not, not, no, don't, I don't want to be real. We spoke about re-real this year. We spoke about Goblin Mode. I want to give you a heads up that next week we are going to be doing our season finale of Bang On for 2022. It's, as always, going to be a big bang back. We'd love to hear the lesson that you've learned in 2022. It was amazing last year when people were capturing you know, their reflections on what had gone down over the last two years of the pandemic. We're still mm-hmm. in it. We're still dealing with it. I'm sure there's been lessons big and small that you've learned in this year. And if they have, let us know, whatever it is, on the Bang On email. You can find it in the show notes or, and a couple of people have thanked me for reading this out a couple of weeks ago. Yes, bang me, on, me included. <laughs> Bangon.podcast at abc.net.au. So Bang On, one word. .podcast at abc.net.au. We're going to get into a big bang back with the lessons you learned and wrap some of the big fun things and silly things of 2022 next week as well, which I can't wait for. That's going to be awesome. Now, Miff, what the hell's happening with
1: Balenciaga and teddy bears and everything that's gone down in the last couple of weeks? Uh, what is not happening with Balenciaga? Um, they Holiday ad campaign came out a couple of weeks ago and I didn't notice this at first. It was just little kids as far as I could see because I didn't look clearly, I mean, I didn't look with focus into the pictures. I thought it was little kids surrounded by Balenciaga objects. Um, in fact, what they were doing was holding teddy bears in bondage harnesses and costumes. Uh, and and that, you know, once I read that, I thought, oh, that's a bit off. It seems a little bit... Um, yeah, not, not quite right, to be honest. Mm. And those BDSM accessories were apparently also on the runway at Balenciaga show at Paris Fashion Week, which was the one where they were stomping through mud, which was quite hilarious. Um, one of the highlights of my year is watching that model wander through in all vinyl and just trudging through like she was going to sort some shit out, <laughs> literally in shit. Um, Sounds like and, what I'm about to head into in Meredith. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, the Backlash... It was very very swift. Um, people are calling for Balenciaga to be cancelled. Um, it gets it gets worse because apparently their spring summer twenty twenty three collection, which was um, a bag from their collaboration with Adidas, was photographed atop copies of this is what people are saying, appears to be documents from the Supreme Court case, United States versus Williams, which was a ruling that upheld the Protect Act, which increases federal protections against child pornography. So this, of course, caused all sorts of furor. Um, Conspiracy theories are suggesting that there's far deeper messaging going on here. And then, of course, uh, Kim Kardashian has spoken out about her relationship with Balenciaga uh, and saying... Uh, certainly not condoning their advertising campaigns. Balenciaga have issued statements saying that they should have not featured those plush bears, the BDSM bears with children in this campaign. So they've apologised for that. The unsettling documents they've blamed on the photographer. The photographer said he had nothing to do with it. So it's all very it's all very confused and um, no one's really being accountable. There seems to be point. a few
0: people throwing others under the bus, like the... Photographer saying, "Oh, I just went in and I set up the lighting and I took the shots, mm. which is very like I don't know many photographers who do a major campaign and just walk in and you know there's an art, there's a director and there's a creative yeah. director, but just to go in there and be like, yeah, this is just a, a gig. Maybe there is, but no one seems to be taking um, any sort of blame for it, and it's just such a strange choice too. Like why? I, I don't know. Is it is it a, is it a shock value thing that's just gone horribly wrong that they didn't read the room?" Also, that thing of like, you know, noting in this article that I read that you you shared that Vogue didn't make any comment about it, you know, one of the biggest fashion Mm. magazines in the world because they've got, you know, ties in with advertising money with Balenciaga. So what does that mean? You know, it's, it's a strange story. It seems like some strange decisions being made or not made around this.
1: Yeah, and there's a real sense of blindness about so many issues that are coming up in their campaigns and I think Blenciaga have always posited themselves as quite a subversive brand and Marina Hyde in that great article that I shared with you um, that kind of covers all of this, has written, and this is beautiful. Once again, we find ourselves in the position of wondering how people in fashion are the only ones yet to see Zoolander. Oh, my God. And it's so true. Surely that should be like when you go and study fashion, fashion <laughs> that that should be like Film part of the, the cu- week. curriculum. It has to be part of the curriculum, surely. I mean, you could do, I could write a thesis on that.
0: <laughs> on Zoolander?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that, okay, class, bringing in the trolley and on the wet day, the rainy day video trolley <laughs> at, at Parsons Fashion School, just an episode of <laughs>
0: <laughs> Someone went to university in the 90s. <laughs> I love it. It's a great piece from Marina Hyde. I'll chuck that in the show notes as always. Ooh. The Shimmering Sounds of Christine McVie, one of the many hit songs that she wrote with Fleetwood Mac. This is my favourite Fleetwood Mac song, Mitch. Oh. What's your favourite? Oh, God. It's hard, isn't it? Where do you start? <laughs> Christine All was a. Them. Christine was an amazing hit maker, though, wasn't she? Like She oh, really she knew was. how to write a hook. And it was very sad news. You would have heard about it already, that she passed away this past week at the age of, of 79. Her joining the band really changed... Their trajectory, you know, many people know that they're a blues band to begin with. Peter Green left the band. Christine McVeigh joined soon after. She was on the keys. She had very much a kind of pop sensibility and that really infused what, you know, the directions that Fleetwood Mac would take. And she wrote some of their biggest songs. Everywhere, Don't Stop, Mm. You Make Loving Fun, Say You Love Me, the beautiful song, Songbird. Oh my God,
1: Songbird. Try listening to that and not cry.
0: Seriously, I couldn't play it on the radio the other day when I was talking about her passing because I just knew it would destroy me. But one of the things I really noticed was in everyone's tributes and the way that people were talking about her, other musicians and the like, that they just not just talking about her her incredible craft as a songwriter, but also just how lovely she was, how down to earth and, and grounded she was. And you really saw that in an interview that she actually did. In June this year, The Guardian has a series where they basically get questions from the public and put them to famous people. And they did that with Christine McVie. And one of the questions came from Matty Jay, who was talking about um, Fleetwood Mac's legendary drug and alcohol intake. And he said that, you know, in Keith Richards' autobiography, he acknowledges some blanks in his memory. And is this the same for you? And she's pretty frank about it. She said, you know, I'm not guilt free, um, but Stevie and I were pretty careful. The boys used to get provided with cocaine in Heineken bottle tops Mm -hmm. on stage.
1: I've heard that story.
0: But Stevie and I only did the tiny little spoons. I suppose sometimes we got a bit out there, but we were quite restrained, really. I also took fairly good care of myself. My drug of choice was cocaine and champagne. I didn't use any other drugs at all. It's easy for me to say, but I think it made me perform better. Owning it. I love that. And that's that- the real CBF attitude of a 79 year old, isn't I it? It's know. like, I got nothing more to prove. I don't care. Everyone knows. So let's yeah, just put it out there.
1: Absolutely. And imagine <laughs> if she was your grand too. Like, how good would that be? <laughs> Just go, yes, darling. Yes, I just, uh, you know, in moderation, of just course. Just tiny little spoons, not not bottle tops. No, so none silly. Of those, none of those bottle tops. Who needs a bottle top? Just a tiny spoon. So good.
0: I just love her. Amazing voice. A beautiful songwriter. Yeah. A beautiful songbird. And um, yeah, she'll be sorely missed. Speaking of drugs, we flagged this earlier this year when we did. heard about the um, synopsis for a film called Cocaine Bear. Oh. And this week, the trailer was released. Here's a little taste.
1: A bear did cocaine. There was a bear. A bear? It was fun! Hey, that's inappropriate.
0: You're safe. Bears can't climb trees. Of course they can.
1: Apex Predator.
0: High on cocaine. Out of his mind. Oh, Oh, man, you fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Film of
1: 2023, man. Oh, my God. What is going on? It's
0: so stupid.
1: It sounds so stupid, but also, I watched the trailer myself. Do watch it. It's a hoot. I was terrified as well. Like it's a CGI bear that looks a bit shit but it was still terrifying and I would be terrified because I dream about bears attacking me all the time. And bears so on
0: cocaine, a duffel bears- has just eaten a duffel
1: bag of cocaine. And like can you imagine not only would he eat you and kill you and scratch your eyeballs out, he would punish you with some really boring conversation for a really long time before he did it. Oh, and my you know God. what else, Miff? What?
0: No, that's what the bear would say. <laughs>
1: Are you Cocaine Bear? Uh, it's so true. Like it just wouldn't it wouldn't end quickly with a Cocaine Bear. Can I just it would know? be chat for seven hours and then he'll kill you.
0: I'm reminding somebody, well, the is a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you know, this is based on true events and I know that's a loose thing to say, but there's parts of this story that are actually true. It's true. true.
1: <laughs> it's, true. Um, it's It's directed. By Elizabeth Banks, so it's going to be good. It stars Kerry Russell, O'Shea Jackson, Ray Liotta in his last role before he died, so it's actually going to be good. What a way to go out as well. (laughs) But that's right. Exactly, cocaine bear. It feels fi- It feels weirdly fitting moment. for
0: someone who kind of made their name in Goodfellas that he's going out with cocaine. Playing a bear. drug lord, yeah. yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> um but yeah, apparently a drug lord did have to parachute out of an aeroplane with a whole bunch of cocaine uh in his rucksack that was eventually discovered to have been eaten by a bear once the drug dealer had did the drug dealer die? I
0: don't know. I don't know. I have to watch the movie when it I comes to. Watch, to I have to watch Cocaine I'm Bear. I'm going to Gold Coast for this one. This is a gold-class <laughs> film experience if ever there was oh one.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: It looks amazing. The trailer is next level. I will put it in the show notes. It goes for two and a half minutes, and that is well worth your time. Um, it is very, very stupid.
1: Oh, I just remembered Cocaine Bear was once, they found the skin or the carcass of Cocaine Bear, which was then stuffed. And apparently, country artist Wayland Jennings had Cocaine Bear for some time in his house. Of course he did. Um, but do you remember the photos when we first learned about Cocaine Bear? There was just photos of him wearing a hat. People <laughs> put on a hat on Cocaine <laughs> It's so dumb. How disrespectful.
0: Cocaine Bear's a real bear, guys. Oh, my God. Cocaine Bear has feelings too. <laughs> cocaine Bear would not have been at this French party that you sent me an article about. What is this story about someone fired for not being fun and being um, paid out by Mm. a certain court in France um, because his employers said, you're not fun, you need to go.
1: (laughs) Well, he took them to court, didn't he? Uh, he, A French court has ruled that companies can't fire their workers for failing to be sufficiently fun. Uh, (laughs) What does fun mean?
0: What do they define as fun?
1: Well, the man who's been referred to as Mr T because we can't reveal his identity because Mm. he might be a dentist. um, He was... (laughs) See what I did there. That's a deep Uh, cut.
0: That's (laughs) a deep cut. Shout out to anyone who is our
1: age (laughs) who knows that reference. He was fired from a Paris consultancy firm, Cubic Partners, back in 2015 for refusing to participate in after work drinks and team building activities. Now, I kind of like Mr. T because I think we now know that we don't have to participate in these office party antics anymore. And, um, Especially after being in a couple of years of lockdown, that we can you know, all that stuff, that kind of work culture, that side of work culture is a bit on the nose to It oh, was
0: the very much the center of all the Sony music allegations, Absolutely. for example. Of the last, of these toxic workplaces where this idea of partying means different things to different people and yep. totally messes with power dynamics. It's wrought with potholes this world.
1: It is, and it also doesn't allow a lot of women who have to who usually take the, the predominant caring activities within a family, they can't go and do that sort of stuff. So it means then they don't get promotions and that kind of thing. So Mr T is actually doing some good work for us all. But um, they, he was fired apparently for professional incompetence, specifically his refusal to adhere to the company's fun values. But they also said that he was also difficult to work with and a poor listener. So he might have been a bit of an ass, and no <laughs> one liked him, but he had a fair point in saying... I'm not going to these parties. I don't want to. Your idea of fun is not my idea of fun. And for that, I love him. This feels like the perfect little
0: punctuation point to something we've been talking about for for years, right? The changing in work culture, what we expect, what we're going to put up with, all of that just mixed into one that this guy has taken his former employers to court and have it on on record that you just can't pull this shit anymore. It's perfect.
1: No, no, I love him. He's, he's He's doing the good work for us all. Absolutely. Although... You can let your hair down at Christmas, though, I figure. Oh, okay. Around the festive season, it's okay. Can I just point
0: out, though, everyone's having their Christmas parties early, so the people have been letting their hair down since the middle of November.
1: Yeah, good point. I'm worn
0: out. (laughs) (laughs) It's too much. Too much. Um, Speaking of which, we're almost at the end of the episode. What are you banging on about?
1: I actually was going to bang on about what you're banging on about because I read that book too, but I've also been reading Grace Tame's incredible book. (sighs) as well. Um, what an extraordinary woman and an extraordinary book. It's not, it's not an easy read. It's called the ninth life of a diamond miner and it is her memoir. And uh, to rewriting a memoir at 28 is something most people couldn't do, but my goodness, she has, she has lived. This woman has lived and it's essentially something she has done as part of her activism and advocacy for survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And I can't recommend this book highly enough. It's a difficult read. Of course it is. Uh, we know all the circumstances around it. There's no need for me to explain it at this point. But my goodness, she is a brilliant writer. She's a wonderful thinker. And in this book, she is funny and she, she is bleak. She is all the things that you would be having had her experiences. But through it, she is strong strong. And she is she's powerful and she's, she is doing such difficult work, both for herself and for the people she's advocating for. And I, like I said, I can't recommend this book enough.
0: I'm really keen to read this book. I'm going to get into this over the summer break when I've got some time and, and mental space. I've been meaning to read it for a while. Mm. She's just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, if you've been meaning to read it, and and yes, it is difficult and I think that might, for a lot of people, might be not their their summer read of choice, perhaps, um, but I think this is absolutely essential reading. What are you banging on about, Zan?
0: Well, you know this because you're going to bang on about it as well, so I'm keen to hear your thoughts on the wonderful Bridget Delaney's book, Reasons Not to Worry. We forecast this a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, because there was a piece in The Guardian around the time it came out about Stoicism and she kind of giving you know tips of, of how to be a Stoic. Um, and now we've both read it and God, it's good. It's like the idea of Stoicism is, I think to many people in modern terms, you think oh, it's stiff upper lip, it's don't let things bother you, which is kind of true and kind of not. It's based on ancient Roman and Greek philosophers, the Stoics, um, and Bridget sort of looks into their teachings and sees how she can apply that and explore that in the modern world And so the idea of being a Stoic is you can control three things. You can control your actions, your reactions, and your character. Everything else is outside of your control, and worrying about those things that you can't control will just cause you more harm. You know, you'll just get more stressed, more anxious, more pain. So why would you do it? And that's a really simplistic way of explaining this because throughout this whole book, she explores all the different ideas around this, and like any good philosophical conversation, you know, she interrogates it. She argues against it. She says, oh, hang on. How can we do this if this happens? Why why you know of course you'd be angry if something bad happened to you or you'd be pained if you got sick or someone else was hurt. And I love that about her because it's not just here's the way to do it and you do it like it's it's real world philosophical discussion in 2022 about stoicism. And it's also really interesting to see that she started this in 2019 mm. this idea and then obviously with no idea of what was going to happen in the world and things completely shifted and so she was sort of forced, and also I'm sure welcomed, exploring this world of the Stoics within this whole crazy three years since. And what a perfect thing to explore for the time! This is the perfect book for the times. It could yeah. not be more perfect. I've been loving it. I, you know, I, I the thing that really stuck with, has stuck with me is again that like you think that getting angry or upset or telling people about why you're pissed off helps, but it just makes things worse. Like it just, it creates a toxic environment in yourself and in your area. It drills down and, you know, takes you down into a hole. It only makes things worse for you. And I know it's hard to fight against that, but knowing that from a purely selfish point of view that if you don't, you'll feel better, that's kind of... That's that's a great thing to strive for, right? Like I just absolutely. found it really fantastic. What what did you think of it?
1: Oh, look, I uh, it's not much more to me for me to add because I absolutely agree with you. It's the book I'm going to give everyone I love this Christmas. Mm. Yeah, I just feel like I don't need to get anything else for anyone. It's so good. Yes, <laughs> and I, you know, and I need to sit down and actually. I think rethink some of the ideas that she's presented in the book as well. Like on first listen, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But now I feel like I need to really drill down into her theories or into their theories and then see how it can – work for me. It just feels like practical information that's been around for centuries and why on earth haven't I looked into it before?
0: This is going to be a reference book for me. I usually give away books because I don't like to hoard things, but there's certain books that I keep. I'm going to keep this and look back at it. I'm going to dig into the teachings of Marcus Aurelius and some of the other Stoics that she mentions. Mm. It's so, so good. Um, Thank you, Bridget. She's also bloody funny. I love her as a writer and um, Reasons Not to Worry is absolutely brilliant. One of my favourite things this year. Are we going to talk about some of our other favourite things next week in Oh,
1: we are, and there are so many favourite things from the year. This is our Oprah's favourite things episode. Yeah, this is like a Christmas (laughs) gift list to you of our favourite things. This is like our Goop um, catalogue. Yeah, but it's free. It's totally free. And less cooked.
0: (laughs) I I will not guarantee that it'll be less cooked. I'm sorry. You say that, nah. I've seen what we've got planned. It's not going to be less cooked.
1: Good point. Good point.
0: I can't wait. We'll be banging back as well. So if you want to dive into the bang box and email us with your big lesson, we would love to hear from you. And we'll see you for the big season finale next week. Thanks, babes.
1: Bang. Hang on. It's a CGI bear that looks a bit shit, but it was still terrifying and I would be terrified because I dream about bears attacking me all the time. And bears on
0: cocaine, a duffel is just eaten a duffel
1: bag of cocaine. And, like, can you imagine not only would he eat you and kill you and scratch your eyeballs out, he would punish you with some really boring conversation for a really long time before he did it.